I was never the emotional person, but you know, like it felt like I was crying for like maybe seven months every single day, bro. Yeah. So, but man, God is good. God is gracious, man. Cause I felt like despite of my idols that I was running towards to soften the blow, right? Like he kept me, yo. He, like there's times where I, I could feel his presence. Yeah. Despite how my thinking was, yep. despite what I was doing, like God really, really, really kept me. And I could say the reason that I'm walking today is because when I was crawling, he was hyping me on, he was pushing me, right? And he was by my side. So his grace is definitely evident in my life. Yeah. For the past two, three years, it, way more evident than before. I just don't believe that we were saved to stumble our way through life, this side of heaven. I believe that we should respond to his saving grace with life that glorifies him in every way, both the spiritual and the practical. Welcome, welcome to the Save Talk podcast. Today, I'm excited. I'm here with my brother, Guy. Sorry. Man, we we go way back about, I don't know, seven, eight years now at the Brook Church. So Guy was actually one of the elders at the Brook a few years ago, where I currently elder at now. But I think what's really brought me and Guy together as friends and just built this tight relationship is some of our similar struggles in life. We both went through a divorce, which was kind of an awakening to some degree, I think in different ways. Yeah. You know what I mean? Kind of some good, some negative, but I think what we can agree on is that God really used that season in which he's going to elaborate on. He's still kind of coming out of it. But for me, at least, you know, really use that season to wisen me up, to mature me and to come to know him all the more. But yeah, guy, I mean, you can, you can kind of take on from there, just where you're at, where you've been. Um, yeah. 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 Thank you for having me on, man. Yeah, bro, man, going through trials is hard, man. You know how in the Bible it talks about what God, Jesus talks about how his burden is light and his yoke is easy. Right. But like, damn, like it's still a yoke. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like most people, yeah, you know, most people give you encouragement, right? This is the scripture that you think you encourage it. Well, like it's still a yoke. But now, man, I feel like now, just, you know, what I've been through, man, I feel like now I'm starting to really feel and know like who I am, man. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Who I am in Jesus, who I am as a man, who I am as a father, as a brother, because, you know, I thought I knew who I was, but, you know, apparently, I was wrong. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Not that I was wrong, but I felt like my morals and my values was like the foundation was just really, really, really weak. It was yeah. soft, man. So I feel like right now I'm just starting to know who I am, man, because for the past two, three years, bro, I've been stuck in a cycle, in a rut of deconstruction, right? And deconversion. Now, would you say that because deconstruction, when done intentionally, it's a good thing. I wouldn't call that a stuck in a cycle or rut, but would you say that this deconstruction has taken place in a way that wasn't necessarily all you're doing, but because of some of the decisions you've been making, God's been revealing? Well, I, the reason why I say cycle is because I use that as an excuse. Okay. Right. That's how it's a cycle. So legitimately deconstruction is to rethink, reshape some of your beliefs or what you think about Christianity or whatever it is. But the thing about deconstruction is that like Satan could hijack 
your thoughts and that idea too. Yeah, yeah. Right. And what happens is that when you allow Satan to hijack it, the deconstruction could lead more into deconversion. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like the purpose of deconstruction is, or the purpose should be, is to make your faith stronger. But yeah. But most of the time, like when you hear people talk about deconstruction, the coin, that phrase is coin with leaving the faith. Gotcha. Right? Most of the time. I'm not saying that happens yeah. all the time. Yeah. So I felt like I've been, for the past two, three years, man, I feel like I've been stuck in a cycle where, you know, because of the things that I've been through, like the first, you know, my mom passing away, right? And then... Bring your mic up a little bit. A couple of months later, my divorce, right? I feel like those two things was what my identity was based on, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, I was a believer at that time. So, you know, people was like, man, you're a believer, you know scripture. So your, your identity should have been based on Jesus, right? But it wasn't. It wasn't. My identity was based on the idea of, of how my mom loved me how my mom prayed for me i always tell people i'm a believer mainly because my mom used to always pray for me right and also my identity was based on my marriage like i lived for you know my daughter and my ex-wife at that time right prior to that i've never ever really been through like a devastating moment anything like my life was pretty well smooth before those two, two things happened so what happened is when those two things happened so I didn't know who I was. The first thing Satan did was strip my identity from me and I was lost. Yeah. That's how easy it was. Like, it wasn't hard at all. You know what I'm saying? So for the past three years, man, I've just been in a cycle, in a rut, feeling like I want to serve God. I want to have my identity based on him. I want to be this on fire Christian, but that hasn't been the case, bro. So that's why I say I feel like I've just been in a cycle of deconstruction, but then in, in that middle space between deconstruction and deconversion. Like, I'm not saying I... I walked out the faith completely, but I've allowed that idea of de of deconstruction in my mind to to take me to places and do things that I shouldn't have done. So yeah, it's interesting because you know I know that you were prior to 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 the whole divorce situation, you were being discipled. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. you becoming an elder at the Brook, that process was you being discipled, really growing in your knowledge of the Scripture. And I would say to some degree, growing in your knowledge of the faith, I think that when you are in that season, you really don't know what your foundation is or how, I would say how weak your foundation is or how frail or fragile your foundation is as far as your identity and, and being rooted in Christ is until it's tested. Like no one knows that. You know? Exactly, bro. The, man, look, the one thing I've learned is the biggest threat to like when you going through things right when you're going through trials right and tribulations whatever you want to call it if you don't know what your identity is then you'll start going back to different idols or different things just to kind of make you escape yeah what you're going through yeah and that's what i went through that's what i've been going through you know what i'm saying temptation intensifies right sin intensifies when you're going through trials because your natural instinct is when you don't know your identity your natural instinct is to go look to things that can soften the blow that can soften the pain that Make can suffer the anxiety that can take you out of that depression right because the promise that jesus offers as far as fortitude character building all that is not just being in the trial right is how do you see or how do you see him and what he's trying to tell you about himself in the midst of the trial if you're not doing that, then you're just going through. Yeah, <laughs> you're just going through the trial, and you 
go to different things, you do different things, you listen to different things and, you know, you do different things to soften that blow. Yeah. So, yeah. So, of course, when you don't know what your identity is, bro, like you open up yourself to a lot of things that this world has to offer. Here's the thing, though. When if we take that phrase, right, when you don't know what your identity is, I think it goes beyond merely knowing what your identity is. I think that identity is something that can only be built, right? So, for example, I say, I love my wife, right? We enter into marriage. That's why I choose to marry her because I love her, right? Mm -hmm. And I say that in a verbal sense. But even when I say that, I don't truly believe that the love that I speak of exists yet. I think the journey of the marriage begins to cultivate of course, that love that I speak of. But up until that point, it's just words, right? And I think that with this identity that is rooted in Christ, I believe that is something that can only be built, constructed through the testing of our faith. So you look at, this reminds me of Peter at the Last Supper, right? And he's mm -hmm. like, Lord, I'll ride with you to the end. Yeah. And Jesus is like, that's nice. But the reality is before the crow, you're going to deny me three times, makes its noise, you know, yeah. you're going to deny me three times, right? Yeah, yeah. So Peter it's not to tell, try to tell somebody, you don't, you didn't really love God or you're not really a Christian. That wasn't the case. Yeah. It's just Peter had to cultivate that level of commitment and ride or die faith to Christ that he was speaking of. It had to be built up. And Jesus knew you haven't been tested yet. You haven't even put in the practice yet. Yeah. But I will take you down a road where you're going to be tested. You're going to be able to put in the practice. And now when you speak, it's going to be validated by the experience, the journey that I took you down. Yeah, the test. And I think that's most of our walks. Our walk. Definitely, yeah. man. Definitely, man. And and to be honest, that's been my experience, bro. And to be honest, to keep it real, I wish it had take three years. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But that's my story. That's my journey. And that's been the process, man. And I've looked at people like you or people that I've spoken to, man, to have gone through that process and for you guys to really have taken in or really honed in on what like when you were in that process on what God was trying to show you or what he revealed about himself to you guys and not to see you guys on the other side of it. That itself is encouragement for yeah, me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's another side to this, right. but you have to go through certain trials. You have to go to certain tests and you got to go through certain things to make it to the other side, man. And, and I'm still on that journey. Like you said earlier, I'm still in that process. I'm not, you know, fully where um, I want to be at. Not to say that I would ever be on this side of heaven, but what I'm doing it, man, I'm walking. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, crawling, I, however you want to call it. And I appreciate that. I appreciate your willingness to go on that journey in spite of perfection or whatever the case may be. Like yeah. you're willing to go on that journey with God and say, hey, man, I know that I may not have the desire to show up every day. Yeah. But I'm going to keep trying. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to keep trying, you know? And it's one of those, it's one of those spaces where... It's so easy for people to look at you or people in that situation, individuals in that situation and be like, I thought he was a Christian. Why is he doing that? Mm, I've like, heard why, that. Why, why is he in that environment? I heard that. You're supposed to be a believer, a, 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 believer. a, a believer. Like, yeah. you know, you were elder at one point. Like, why are you, what are you doing? You know yeah. what I'm saying? And now it's like with social media, you can't really hide, you know, unless you're inauthentic. I value those individuals that are authentic, you right. know, so, and, and what they're doing that's where you're at that's where you're at that's where i'm you know? at so it makes it easier for people the critics to be mm -hmm. like yo this guy was never a christian in the first place because look at how he's living yeah, yeah you know yeah and it's like those are usually coming from people that haven't been in a trial 
Yeah. That haven't had their identity feel like it was like just ripped from ripped. under them. <laughs> you know, like identity is such a major, I mean, it's who we are. It's who we are. Once that guy take it from you, you lost. Yeah. Yeah. You really are. You know, it, it is the fast track to hopelessness you when lost. you no longer know who you are, what your purpose is. Why do you think, why do you think a failed marriage has the ability to crush some people the way it does? You know what I'm saying? Like, what, what, are, what, what are your, your thoughts on that? Man, I think, because, I think the reason why is because, man, like marriage is the one thing or it's one of the main things that when you end it, like you've given your all, right? Some people would agree. Some people don't, but yeah. Well, let's talk about in context of a believer. Yeah. Right. And we see that because what well, even not even believers, because we see that because a lot of people commit suicide after marriage because of divorce. Divorce. Okay. Right. You know, there's things where some people kill themselves. They kill the, the spouse, the spouse yeah. and the kids. Yeah. So I think marriage, man, despite how you feel about it, the way God designed it to be, we cannot take away from that design. Yeah. Right. It's supposed to be the most intimate, real, and one of the most important aspects of your journey here on earth. Right. So it was designed to be that, whether you're a believer. For those that were called to marriage, right? Because yeah. not everybody was called to marriage. Correct. But yeah. If you're a believer or not. Yeah. So the impact of losing that or the impact of that being taken away or either the your your wife your ex-wife leave or your husband leaves like the impact of that is i think is the most devastating impact that could happen in anyone's life yeah yeah right whether you're a believer or not but i think it's because is the main aspect is because what god designed marriage to be whether you a believer that's married or non-believer the design is still there so when that is taken away you feel the impact the most yeah that makes sense. You get yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? No, no, it does. Uh, yeah, man. And especially if you've been with that person, you know, for a lengthy period of time, man, like it's crushing. But I think it's because of what God meant marriage for. And yeah. I think once that got taken away, then, it, you know, it has a lasting impact it's on whoever it is, whether you're a believer or not. For sure. Do you believe that regardless or in spite of the design, do you believe that there is a, an approach that we as an individual take to marriage that can cause that blow to go the beyond what it's intended to the go. The blow of the voice? Yeah. So for example, like there was a podcast that I did where I brought up the idea that my identity in many ways was tied to the marriage and not who God is and who God says I am. Mm -hmm. So at the failing of the marriage, I'm a failure as a man. Yeah. You know, I'm less than, I'm not capable of loving a woman. Yeah. It's all these different things, right? Which for me, I believe caused me to stray away from the Lord and endeavor into some things that I should have never got involved into, even, even though a failed marriage, no matter what, even if you're doing things right, your identity secure is a devastating That's blow, blow, right? Yeah. So I don't want people to get the impression that, well, it's okay to go off the deep end because it's God's design that you stay married, right? Mm-hmm. And it hurts when you lose it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Versus, I believe that we also have responsibility. A responsibility, yeah, to, to nurture. To what's the word I'm trying to? The way I'm trying to put it, we also we also have a responsibility to. Everything should be in priority. We should have a le a degree to. So, for example, like who God says I am, and who God is should trump all of that. You talking about your foundation? Yeah, exactly. Before you get married, yeah, it should trump. It should trump all that. Not who 
my wife says I am or what people say about me because of my marriage yeah. or the identity they create for me because I have yeah. a great marriage next X, Y, and Z. Yeah. That should never, when, that. when those things, those ideologies trump your identity in Christ, then you lose that. You lose that. Yeah. And it's like you lost everything. Definitely, man. I think be, because the thing is that, man, you call to be a son before you call to be a husband, right? You call to be a brother before you call to be a hus yeah. husband. I'm speaking in the context of a man now, obviously. So, yeah, man. So I think, man, before you could think about a husband, like learn, like just learn how to be a son, learn how to submit under the authority of Jesus, learn how to serve because God never called people like with David, like he was already shepherding. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like those basic fundamentals that you learn when you are a son, when you are submitting under the authority of Jesus, when you are serving the church, when you are being in community, when you're in community, you learn forgiveness, you learn communication, like those basic fundamentals that you learn while being those other things, you're going to need those fundamentals. You're going to need to rely on those fundamentals when you're in a marriage. Yeah. Now, it may be intensified because now you're in close proximity, one-on-one -on -one proximity. But at least if you have those basic fundamentals, you are able through discipleship, through reading scripture, through prayer, through fasting with your wife, you like those things are able to grow. You know what I'm saying? So I do think that you should have some basic fundamentals or be practicing those basic fundamentals before you get into Christian. But the only way you'll do that is by learning how to be a son first, learning how to submit under the throat of Jesus, learning all those things. So I definitely think having those type of foundations, having those fundamentals and growing those fundamentals will always lessen the chances of a divorce and will lessen that blow. So what do you say? I do agree. To some of the stereotypes in the church where it's, oh, you guys are in a relationship. Oh, you guys have already become intimate with each other. Y'all need to get married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah, <it's, laughs> no, man. Because what? Well, I think those people that I would compare, I mean, I don't know if I should go that far, but I think those are people I would compare close to the Pharisee. Okay. Okay. Right. Because I think that's legalistic. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, is God designed is for people to wait um, until you get married to, to have sex or, you know, those, yes. But if you have a, a member of your church or a son or a daughter, that's not how it happened for them. Marriage is not the solution. Yeah. Immersion. So if okay, so yeah, you two have sex, yeah, in a relationship, get married. What you think that's gonna lead to? Yeah, I'm tracking with you. <laughs> I'm tracking. The same reason why I don't agree with I have, I have a couple of friends that has older kids, and they say, well, they having sex. Let me just give them a con. That's not to me. That's not the solution. Yeah. Right. Sure. I think the gospel cures all. Right. So I think instead of you know saying let's get married, yo, like if you are a elder lead person in the church man like you've had experience like you have so much wisdom yeah to share you have so much to offer to people like me to people that's learning life and the answer is hey come to my house let's have dinner let's have coffee let's have tea let's talk yeah. you know what i'm saying but i think to to those people that oh you had sex in your relationship let's get married you are setting them up for failure that's that's going to create more damage facts it's this idea in the long that, run it's this idea that it's like the it's like the act of them having sex. The sin is so damning, right? Yeah. It's so damning that it's almost like they treat it like a finality. Yeah. If you don't get married. If you don't get married, you're going to. Oh, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Like you're, you know. Yeah. No, that's not it. And it's like you take, you taking two immature people, most likely, and just saying, all right, you got to be. The first step is you got to be in right standing with God. Yeah. So you got to get married because you're having sex. Let's get in right standing with God. And it's such a like, 
immature way of thinking. And it it brings me back, man. When I first started having sex, it reminds me of this fear that I had. And I I don't know. I know I've said this before. I think I said this when I had a podcast with brought my sister on. And I remember telling her, like, driving home after me messing up and having sex, like, I thought I was going to get hit by a car (laughs) and dying and then go to hell. Like, there's no grace. Like, there's no grace. Doesn't that make our Christianity, like, action-based? Yeah, oh yeah, you're you know you're, you're earning, like, you're earning, and working your for. Way. And the thing is, like, unfortunately, that's most of Christians today. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And I was part of it, so I'm not, I'm not excluding myself from that. Like, I was definitely part <laughs> of that community. I, I understand it. Like, I understand it. I know what it's about. I know how it feels like. I know the weight that that the person that's receiving that. I know the weight of it because I was once that person. Yeah, I'm not only receiving it, but then I was once that person giving a, those type of advice. And then you bring that same, you know, you bring that same culture into your marriage. You start treating your wife like that. It's action based. You know, his results is if you don't do this, then this, then this. Yes, this, exactly. This. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And, and I was once that, man. And and I think it's crippling the church. It's crippling. Man, and what's crazy is there's so many millennials, you know, our age or a little bit younger than us that's questioning everything. And then we wonder why we don't have an answer for them. Right. It's because growing up, they've always heard, if you don't do this, you will go to hell. If you don't do this, God doesn't love you. If you don't do that. But now they're getting older. They have their own mindset. They have their own way of thinking. And they're questioning their parents' way of growing up. They're questioning, well, mom, if you told me this, dad, you told me this, or pastor, you told me do this. And they're questioning, and we don't have an answer for them. Yeah. Because the things that we told them not to do, and if they do it, this will happen. But what if this doesn't happen? Yeah. Some people can go their whole life live, living away from God, apart from God, and they're going to have a good life on this earth, right? So imagine telling, oh, if you don't do this, God won't do this, God won't do this. But then when they do it, and then they still get blessed, then... Yeah, and when you say good life, you mean to the degree of maybe they have a marriage... Well, like, like a success, like a successful life. Yeah, successful life. I'm not life, talking yeah. about in the terms of going to heaven, or I'm just talking yeah. about a successful yeah. life. You know, I have a successful marriage, good kids, great job, rich... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, but then growing up, they heard, they heard the opposite. So now they start questioning. And now we wonder why we don't have an answer for them. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. just that whole theology, I think, is devastating. It's a blow because it, and it played a part in me building my identity Yeah, early on. For sure. In my Christian life. You know what I'm saying? It played a part. That's why my identity was so soft and so shaken because that played a part in it. You know what I'm saying? I was embarrassed to go back to the brook after, you know, my separation. Yeah. Even when my mom died, it was hard for me to allow another woman that I loved, which was my ex-wife's second mother, she stepped in that role and started playing. Not her real mother. Yeah, yeah. Keisha yeah. and Erica, you know, you know, mm-hmm. their, their mom. It was hard for me to kind of accept her love because I'm like, bro, like the only motherly love that I should want is my mom's. But yeah. but all but me growing up in my Christian life, like with that theology, like all that played a role. And who I was as a Christian, who I was as a man, you know, who I was as a husband, who I was as a son, like all that impacted me. And, you know, as soon as my mother's died, my like my mom died, you know, a stab at my identity was taken away. And what most people don't know, or even I, I didn't show a lot of most people, like like when my mom died, like I wanted to walk away from Christianity. And that that was before my divorce. That was before my separation. Yeah. Because my mom played so much, like she she played a big part of 
who I was, of, yeah. of what my ND was. And then when she died, I'm like, oh, snap, that's, that's it. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah, that's tough, man. That, yeah. that, that was a lot going on in a short frame of time that, for in you. In one year. In one oh, year. In one year, like seven months. Yeah. <laughs> seven months. I, I, imagine going, at that time, 29 years, 30 years, without ever experiencing any type of, like, major test or major trial or major event. Yeah. You know, and it's been a seven months, you know, everything came crashing down. Yeah. I mean, my anxiety and depression, you know, I've never gotten to the point where I wanted to like kill myself or nothing like that. But, you know, but it was major, major, major depression, major, major anxiety, major, major. Even, I was never the emotional person, but, you know, like, it felt like I was crying for maybe seven months every single day, bro. Yeah. So, but man, God is good. God is gracious, man. Cause I felt like, you know, the, despite of my idols that I was running towards to soften the blow, right? Like he kept me. There's times where I, I could feel his presence. Yeah. Despite how my thinking was. Yep. Despite what I was doing, like God really, really, really kept me. And I could say the reason that I'm walking today is because when I was crawling, he was hyping me on. He was pushing me. Right. And he was by my side. So his grace is definitely evident in my life Yeah, for the past two, three years. It, way more evident than before, you know? Yeah, so. I think those are moments where you can step outside of the regret of what happened and begin to move towards almost gratitude that, yeah. that, that this happened. Yeah, I don't, I don't even have regret. Yeah, And the reason why is because at that point of time, that's what I wanted. That's who I wanted. That's what I wanted to do Yeah, at that point of time. You know, with my whole heart, that's what I wanted to do. That's who I wanted. There was no doubt in my, like at the time that I married my ex, there was no doubt in my heart. Like that's who I wanted. So you're right. So I don't really operate. And now I don't really operate in regret because like I said, like I think the other side of this is going to be beautiful. Yeah. Right. It's, it's going to be worth it. Even not in this world, but I know in the world to come, it will be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that thought right there, that takes a lot of maturity. Yeah. I'm thinking of people right now in my head. And they'll be clueless if they know I'm thinking about them. But thinking about people right now in my head where, and I'm not just talking about men, mm -hmm. you know, because it's rare that you hear from men that are suffering because the marriage failed. It's usually yeah. the other way around, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking of both men and women and relationships that they should probably walk away from mm -hmm. uh, for the sake of their own health, right? Their own growth, their own walk with God. And that, that, that sounds counterintuitive, you it know? Is. But you know that the reason that they're hanging on is because of fear. It's, it's not even just like, I want to do the right thing. It's fear. It's fear of letting go of this person and knowing what life looks like on the other side. On the other side. Can God restore a fractured life? Mm -hmm. You know, that's how it feels. Like when yeah. your marriage is fractured, it's broken or a broken life. It feels like your life broke. Yeah, of course. You know what I'm saying? And it's very hard to settle, right? Because it feels like settling almost with the thought of, well, God, I know that even if it's not, even if things don't get better, and I don't mean better with the current relationship, but things don't get, like you can't repair this type of brokenness, this, this side of heaven. Yeah. I know that I can look forward to the great hope of you returning and bringing absolute restoration, right? Yeah. Uh, that's hard because people don't want to wait. The idea of having to wait till that time. Yeah, delayed gratification. Yeah, is like, that's not, people, man, people I'm, I'm don't living want here. That. I'm yeah. here. I want restoration here. Yeah. But I do believe that God has a way of getting us to a point of surrender where we are like just fully 
immersed in our trust for him. And I think some people have to go through a greater trial where we're crushed, right? The Bible mm-hmm. talks about the difference between falling on the corner store and falling on, on you, you and grinding you to powder, mm-hmm. right? I felt like that was my story. Like God had to grind me to powder, powder. you know what I'm saying? I couldn't just be broken. Like I was so stubborn and hard-headed that I need to be crushed. Yeah, man. Yeah, and it's only going through, like I said, man, and the thing about scripture is, you know, like scripture don't come alive. I'm not going to say that because I don't know people might say oh, I'm a heretic, but for me, <laughs> the pages of the Bible screams at me when I'm going through trials, right? Yeah. So it's like, all right, man, like I read for God. So like I read these things, right? But when you're going through trial and you see that, like one of my favorite things now, it wasn't before, is that, man, you know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, like he would be with me. Man, I learned that psalm since I was 10 years old, right? But the Pastor David Rosa, he sent me maybe like a couple of weeks after my separation or something like that. He sent me that text, man. And and I just bawled out crying. And now I'm looking back. I'm like, God is with me not to remove me from the situation, right? But to teach me yes. and grow me. Yes. Like, I would never have been a mature emotionally mature person as i am now if i didn't go through this right so what you're talking about is part of it to be able to look ahead eternity right to have eternity in the back of your mind when you're doing certain things like that takes emotional maturity that takes delayed gratification i would never have you know get to that gotten get to that point you know if i didn't go through what I went through, right? Yeah. So emotional security is I'm in this situation. Now how do I apply wisdom to it? Yeah. It's basically what it is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's applying wisdom in whatever situation that you're in and not emotionally, and not like initially react solely based off your emotions or, or how, how you, you feel. feel yeah. But let's apply some wisdom to it. Let's apply some knowledge to it. And being able to have a mindset that said, okay, even if this don't get accomplished on this side of heaven, and the world to come, I know that it will. You know what I'm saying? And for me, like I said, I still have a lot of growth that I have to to do. I still have a long way to go. Oh, but that's what that's one thing that's keeping me pushing. You know what I'm saying? I've never not wanted to be with Jesus. Even the past two, three years, mm-hmm. my thinking was not that I don't want to be with Jesus. I still want to be with Jesus. But, you know, just the process of that, man, is just so hard. <laughs> Yeah. I'll be honest with you, man. The deconstruction is wanting to be with Jesus, but then the deconstruction part of it is who the hell is Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And when you get around people that are supposed to be believers and they're supposed to love Jesus, like I've I have it written down on my on my thing that on big letters, I was like, man, I just want to be around people that just love Jesus. Forget about all the other stuff. Like I want to be, and that was like a year and a half ago, I think I wrote down my journal. I want to be around people that that doesn't love Jesus. Yeah. Forget about every other thing. Like whatever you could think of a Christian has been through as far as like I've been through it. Yeah. Like I'm not talking about trials. I'm talking about like just the motions of being a believer, whether in the church or discipleship or teaching. Like I've done all of that. I've experienced all of it. When it comes to a point where I just want to be with people that just love Jesus. Right. And I felt like, when I wrote that, it was hard for me to find people like that. Yeah. So th- that's why I wrote it on my journal. But yeah, man, but you know, that's my journey, bro. Yeah, I think that's... And I wouldn't trade it, to be honest. I think it's so good what you said. Like, the ultimate thirst that was bubbling up in your soul was just like, I just want to be around people yeah. that love Jesus, you know? Yeah, forget all the other things. And it reminded me of just a 
time where I was just like, man, just literally just crying out to God. And I had this song playing on repeat and it, it all it said was, give me Jesus. Yeah, That's it. Give me Jesus. You know? Yeah. And what's challenging is that when we run into Christians or around Christians in a time that our soul is dry, you thirst for what's most important. Facts. And when people are giving you what's least important, like systems, mm-hmm. like theological views, mm-hmm. different ideologies, mm-hmm. pointless debates, it's like, yo, get the heck away from me, yo. Yeah, I've been through that. I'm, like, get away. Yo, get away. I, I take that. It's such a sore thumb for me, man. It's a, it really is a sore place for me because we get caught up in our theological views and our biases, right? A lot of them are just pure bias. Yeah. But man, when you look at the way Jesus lived, like he got down to the core of who the person was. Exactly. And he did it by sitting with them, eating with them, spending time with them, having deep conversation with them. What are the ways that I can meet you and care for you where you are right now? You know, and I think that's one of the issues with the church. It's like, we don't know how to practically meet people's needs where they are right now. No, we don't. We make it way too complicated. We don't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What's, if a person is, if a person is, is hungry or a person is, and they're hurting because of that, like Bible's clear, like you feed them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's no different when we have these situations where you got people that are in broken relationships and they feel alone and they feel isolated. What do you do? You don't give them a system. You give them your time. Yeah, you give them, you give them who you, you give are. give them your time. Yeah. You sit with them. You sacrifice your time to be on the phone with them and have conversations, even if you need to have the same type of conversation a hundred times. Yeah, me and you had a same type. Oh, we've was, had many. We've had many same conversations. Topic conversations. Yeah, same topic conversations. To this day, we still have some of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I remember, bro, I remember a very specific conversation. I was working at AT&T, and it was that time where we had to leave the yard. Yeah. I'm in my van, and I'm bawling, crying. This is in the midst of all the horrible things in my relationship, feeling yeah. and slipping away. And I was in not a good space. Yeah. And I remember blowing up Moochie's phone, mm-hmm. blowing it up, calling, 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 mm-hmm. calling, calling. And he finally picked up the phone and I told him, I said, I don't think you understand. I said, I need you to pick up the phone. Like, I, I need you to pick up the phone. Now, yeah. you can look at this in multiple ways. You can say, man, that's a lot of pressure to put on another person. It is. You know what I'm saying? Because it is. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure to put on another person. But where I was in such a lonely and dark place that just having someone that could respond when I called meant it meant everything to me. Let me ask you a question. What do you think is the difference from calling somebody, right? And of course, you know, encouragement. But de- depending on who you call, they will mostly encourage you through what scripture says and stuff like that. And run into prayer or run into immediately to God in that moment? I think, number one, I would say I was forced into that. Forced so, into what? Into prayer and crying out to God. I think I think initially I spent a lot of time doing that. While I was still married and trying to save the marriage, I mm-hmm. was crying out to God. I was in worship. I was reading. I was doing all these different things. Mm-hmm. When it got to the point where I knew this, God, ain't, God is not going to restore this thing. Like mm-hmm. it's done, you know? Um, at that point, I was in a state of like question Mm-hmm. And even bitterness towards God. Mm-hmm. So prayer started to kind of like dwindle, but I still needed like community. You know what I mean? Yeah. I still needed, I, because my, in my mind, what I felt like was, well, God, I've been praying all this time. I've been reaching out to you all this time. I've been mm-hmm. reading scripture all this time. And it, and there's no response yeah. because my response was tied to whether the marriage is restored. Yeah, That was my only stipulation for God is I know you hear me and I know you're listening yeah. if the marriage is restored. 
if the marriage is not restored, that means you ain't here. You're not present. That's that was my way of thinking. Yeah. So then it shifted towards, man, I need people I can talk to. I need, yeah. you know. And in in that case, like it the time that Muchi made, even in his difficulty with that in particular, like that he gave me was significant. Yeah. It was significant. And it wasn't always I would say it was rarely like, well, let's see what the scripture says, blah, blah, blah. Like sometimes it was, we both on the phone, we're both crying. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like having another brother on the phone to cry with me and empathize with me in my pain was meant so much. And that was, that's what a lot of people don't understand is that is God meeting us where we're at. Yeah, it's one, it's one way, one way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's one way, of course. But I'm just saying, like, to me, I wasn't seeing it other ways. I'm seeing that the fact that, like... At this moment. At this moment, Christ is showing me himself, his care, his empathy, his love yeah. through one of his children. Yeah. You get, you know what I'm saying? It was yeah. no different than the example I gave with, in another podcast with my daughter. Yeah. A year and a half, two years, maybe, and I'm crying on the couch, and she comes up to me, puts her hands on the side of my face, and says, Daddy, I still love you. Yeah. Not really knowing the weight of the situation at all. Yeah. What do you think that was? That was God meeting me yeah. where I was. Yeah. You know what I'm Same saying? Thing. At that time. Mm-hmm. And God gives us the ability to be that person for other people. people. Yeah. But when you so caught up in saying the right word or the right scripture, instead of just like, man, let me just love this person. Yeah. Like you're not doing, you're not, you're not doing any, anything. You need to get out of your head yeah. and just go back to the basics. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that just something that's been on my heart. Man, yeah, man, a lot. As Christians, we need to go back to the basics, the simple things. Yeah, you know, because there's power in the way that we love, in the way that we care, in the way that we give people time. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, the reason I asked that question because for me, when my mom first died, or even within that set, I sat up in my period, it was hard for me to go to scripture. Yeah, it was hard. One, you call it an embarrassment, right? But I think second, like I, I would choose to call people first, like you or Chip or Carly. Right that time, Jody, because I just needed instant validation, bro. I just needed instant validation. And I felt, and at that time, I felt like going to scripture wasn't going to give me that. If anything, going to scripture or worshiping made me cry more. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It made me cry more. So, uh, so I think one, one was embarrassment for me. And second, I just needed instant validation. I just need to feel good about myself. I just need to feel good about myself because what most people don't know is throughout that whole night, I've been up, beating myself up not feeling the best about myself, um, depressed. And in the morning, you know, at that time I was in the academy, so I used to be up at 5.30 in the morning and I would go to sleep at two, that three hours of sleep. Yeah, I don't know yeah. how I made it. <laughs> I don't know how I made it through the police Amen. academy going through that, like it's tough. You know what I'm saying? And when I woke up, I just said, man, I'm tired of beating myself up. I just need to feel good. Yeah. Um, and I didn't think scripture would do that for me. So that's why I, I would call you, I would call the people. So that's why I asked that question. So to me, that was the difference for me. And to be honest, even now, bro, it's still kind of hard reading scripture because, you know, the stains of that is still in me. You know what I'm saying? The stain of it is still there. So I also believe there's a dynamic to which scripture comes alive in community. Yeah, of course. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like scripture comes alive in community. Yeah. You know, it's there's a time and a space that needs to be created for Right, Sil- silence and solitude. Muchi was just preaching about this on 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 Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, it's necessary to our walk with faith. We saw how Christ, how Jesus, emulated that, yeah. like in throughout the years on earth. That throughout was a, a part of his his faith walk, right? Yeah. So we know it's necessary, but we also know, especially in times of like loneliness, that the enemy tries to draw us more and more into isolation where of we're course. stuck in our own thoughts. Of and course. in those times, 
it's probably not a time for silence and solitude. It's probably a time to press into community. No, of course. You know what, you know what I mean? Yeah, because when the enemy could get you away from counsel, wise, yeah. you know, wise counsel or by yourself, yeah. like most likely you are going to go back to what you desire the most. Most likely you are going to do Facts. what you desire the most. Facts. You're going to go back to... And I'm saying because it happened yeah, to yeah. me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like my times of silence, there's times where I'll be at home and I'm in silence, man, and I'm fighting. And the only thing I could think about is satisfying my desire. That's it. That's right? it. You right, bro. That's the right. Only time. And then what I do, I call some people or I just go yeah, out and you're right, do whatever bro. I got to do. So what most people don't think is that when we do certain things, we just think that, oh, we just, you know, I'm just doing them. But yeah. people like, what most people don't grasp is that, especially for a believer, right? Your ideas and your thoughts are inspired by something. Yeah. Is it about the Holy Spirit or Satan is going to inspire what you do? Most people just think, I'm just doing it because that's what I want to do. In a sense, that's true. But it's fueled by outside force, right? For sure. So when you talk about isolation, I, I, I could resonate with that because, as you know, I left the church. Like, I left yeah, the book. Yeah. I isolated myself from everybody. You know what I'm saying? And, and, Looking back, was that the smartest thing to do or the worst thing that I could have done? Yeah, it probably was the worst thing. Yeah, yeah. But hey, that's what I felt like doing. That's where I was at that time. You know, that's, and that's the part thing, of it. And it's the perfect example. And we'll begin to close now. But like, it, it, to me, in that time, what we're saying right now is if you're in that time of just pain and suffering, the best thing for you to do is to press, in spite of how you feel, to press into community, Right? Press in the community and not just any community, but people that love Jesus, people that love Jesus. But here's the beauty of the gospel and the way the gospel Christ shows up even now, right? Is that even when you make the decision to say, I'm not going to press in the community, I'm actually going to press into self-pleasure, self-seeking pleasures, the wrong community, doing what I want to do. You have the picture of the shepherd that leaves the 99 for the one. I've got tatted on me. And that's exactly what Christ does. Yeah. And in both of our stories, yeah. that's what he did. In my story, when I stepped out, it wasn't like, oh, you decided not to press in the community, even though you know that's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, have fun. Yeah. Do your thing. No, he followed me right out there. Yeah. And some of y'all are not going to believe that. But I'm telling you, like, you. in my worst things that I was doing, there was ways in which God was saying, I'm here. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, and no, that, you can't. That's not human nature. That's People don't do that. That's a God thing. Got and it. he takes those circumstances, he takes those circumstances in our rebellion to glorify himself. Yeah. I'm going to show you in your rebellion just how great I am, just how yeah. much I love you. Yeah. Just how patient I am, just how merciful. And if and you don't know that unless you've been unless you've rebelled. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah, yeah it's God's amazing, man. It's, yeah. I mean it's it's amazing, man. I mean like I said, man, his grace, like I said, what you, I have that tatted on my arm, man. And I look at that every now and then. And that's also my story, man. I wholeheartedly believe that I'm on this journey that I am today is because, you know, God kept me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He kept me. Now, keeping me does not mean that I haven't rebelled. Keeping yeah, me course, does not yeah. mean that, you know, I haven't sinned. Yeah. Keeping me is not that I haven't done those things. But I think, you know, keeping me is just that, yo, like, I got you. Yeah, even though you're doing those things, like I'm, like like I'm here. I'm gonna keep loving you. I'm gonna keep loving you. I'm gonna draw you grace. Here to me. I'm gonna put people in your life. Yeah, that's that's going to pray for you. That's gonna you know hold you accountable. Uh, accountability is part of God keeping you. But by, by, by the way, because most people don't you know accountability don't feels good. 
So yeah. if it don't feel good, people don't think that it's God's way of, of showing grace. But it is. But yeah, man. So like I said, I'm excited. Like I said, I'm not all there yet. There's still a lot of things that, that you know, God has to do in my life. But, but footsteps. Yeah. And that's everybody. We're, footsteps. We're, that journey, this side of heaven, is continuous. It's ongoing. Crazy. But I really do. I appreciate your vulnerability and your willingness to kind of sh- let us know like where you're at and what God is doing for you. And I am looking forward to what life begins to look like. You, yeah, you know man. what I'm saying? Like it's on the scary. other side of this, but I'm excited for you because it's something that God has been doing for me, you know, and I know that he has the same for you, you know? Yeah, man. It's scary. It's, it's, you talk about surrender. Surrendering is scary, man, because you're not in control, bro. Yeah. Like surrendering is scary, man. You're not in control. And I, and I still have a fear of that. I still have a fear of not being in control of my life. But, you know, God is faithful. He is. He is. And, and not being in control is the best place to be when it comes to having a father like God. Facts. You know? Yeah. But I hope you guys received that. I hope that encouraged you. And for all y'all that are out there that watch this, that are in challenging moments, times, times, relationships, don't allow fear to be the thing that keeps you from walking with God and allowing him to love you the way you need to be loved and guide you the way that you need to be guided. Do your best to seek out healthy community. And even if you feel yourself falling short, just remember that God goes after the one in the midst of the 99. So I appreciate you guys. Catch you on the next one.